Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukwa, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Hello, guys, and welcome back to another Core Parenting Conversation. Today, I have another guest for you. I love bringing guests on the show and just having really fun conversations about relevant topics to parenting in today's world. And today, we have Caitlin Johnston, who was a kindergarten teacher for seven years. And then she switched gears and she founded a company that I found on TikTok. I found her on TikTok, uh, (laughs) Caitlin. Um, But she's also on Instagram, and her company's name is Kind Cotton. Kind Cotton is a clothing company dedicated to redefining kindness and putting books in the hands of kids. Their inclusive clothing helps to inspire others to rethink kindness as more than simple pleasantries. This is the part I love. But rather take a deeper look into kindness being rooted in justice and grounded in action. With every purchase made, a book is directly given to a child through the Kind Cotton reading program. Also love that. To date, Caitlin and her husband, Kevin, have donated close to 30,000 books. Does that blow your mind when you hear that? So it's actually crazy. And this is my fault because clearly I give a similar bio to every podcast. (laughs) So I am so sorry. But so we are actually nearing 100,000 books. (gasps) So that's a... I need to update my bio, clearly. (laughs) Because 30,000 blew my mind, but close to 100,000 just blew my mind even more. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we just jumped right in. So welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thanks for being here. And just like mad kudos for that because that's incredible. Thank you. And so I brought Caitlin onto the show. I kind of just told her, I was like, look, you know, the month of February, I'm really focusing on this idea of like connection and relationships to go along with Valentine's Day, I guess, but also because I just think it's so foundational to parenting. Mm -hmm. And I feel like kindness is something that is thrown around so often. But it's not the same as being nice. Okay, kindness and nice, niceties, pleasantries are not the same thing. And your story and your company embody kindness and They also, I just feel like it's a story of empowerment. It's an empowerment movement in an area right now in education, in childhood, that it can feel kind of overwhelming sometimes, bleak. I don't know. It's, you know, in Florida right now, we have a teacher shortage of 8,000 teachers and um, there's just a lot of stuff going on. So tell us, tell us about your story. You You taught for seven years, you got out of it. What led you to developing this company? Yeah, absolutely. So I was a kindergarten teacher, as you mentioned, which I loved. And I think it really touches upon what you are all about. I think I loved kindergarten so much. And if you've ever been in the world of education, 
kindergarten <laughs> teachers themselves are like a really rare find. Yes. Like people who yes. love teaching kindergarten. Actually, historically, in the, my years in education, kindergarten was typically the place you would go to almost be like, quote unquote, punished as a teacher, unless you were an educator who really loved it. Because kindergarten's really hard. And the reason why I believe kindergarten to be so hard for people is in developing true relationships with children and recognizing that children are human, that children have needs, that they're not just, you know, these little people who sit and do as I say, you know? So like these were what, this is what I loved about education. I also loved like having that first experience, you know, like I guess that's kind of like a, I don't know what that is or what that says about my personality, but I loved that I was always like a child's first educator for the most part. It was always like the person who they would come back to or the person who they remembered because I really did pride myself on developing core relationships. So I love that you're focusing on that this month. That was a little bit of a, a side tangent, but love it. In my first couple of years teaching, one of the things that I noticed was that most, if not all of my students did not have a lot of access to books in their home. And that, you know, is something along with many other systemic issues that we have in our country hit really close to home for me. And it didn't quite make sense that all children didn't have the same resources, right? Like we're pushing all of these things down children's, I don't want to say down children's throats, but oftentimes in education, you know, we have to get these academics going. We have to get them reading. We have to get them reading. We have to get these things. And those are so, 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 so important. But when you're doing all of these things and children are coming in kind of lacking the same resources as other children, there's a huge problem, right? We're already like 10 steps, if not more behind. I was finding myself often spending tons of money on books for my kids to take home. They were taking books home from my classroom library. I was buying them for like any sort of holiday I could think of, you know, Valentine's Day, MLK Day, like they were getting books from me to take home. And being an educator and not getting paid a ton of money and having like a ton of student loan debt and buying all the other resources for my classroom, as as you know yourself, it became a lot. And I wanted to still support my students. So I came home one day and said to my boyfriend at the time, fiance at the time, maybe (laughs) my now (laughs) husband, hey, I really want to create something to support equitable literacy. And he's like, okay, like, where do I fit in this piece? Um, (laughs) Like, that's great. Like, how can I support you? I don't really know where your mind's going. And uh it just so happens that he had always worked in custom apparel. So I was like, well, I'm envisioning like making shirts with kind messages on them. And then with every shirt sold, donating a book to a kid. And at the time it was kind of just like wanting to help my own classroom or my own school community. Cause I never thought that this would blow up into what it has actually done. (laughs) I need to remind myself of that. Cause when you say like the number it may, really makes you think like, wow, there there has been an impact. Because like the day-to-day, you get stuck in like, I'm not oh, doing, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's where it started. And we funded everything ourselves and have never really looked back. I got tears in my eyes 
at two different points in the story. And one of them is reading is such a huge, like that's just a part of our family culture. My eight-year-old now is just independently reading. And today he woke up and he was like, mom, I love books. You know, I love reading. Just randomly, he said that this morning. And we go to the library whenever we read through all the books that we check Mm -hmm. out. Like, So we're at the library regularly. My kids have shelves of books. It's actually like the one area in my home I can't bring myself to declutter because I have such a love affair with children's literature. I actually, when I would, I loved going to Barnes and Nobles, and this is before I had children, and sitting in the children's section and just looking at children's books. Mm -hmm. I just, I love the way they package simple yet profound messages Mm -hmm. through their illustrations, through their words. I just think they're so beautiful. And it is heart-wrenching to me to think in a country that we push pre-literacy skills so heavily. If you mm-hmm. if you have a child in, we call it VPK in Florida, right? So voluntary pre-K or so early childhood ed or, you know, up kindergarten, first grade, any grade, there is such a push in the schools for these pre-literacy literacy skills. And to think that some children don't have books to even hold. You know, there's a whole like book behavior for children to learn even how to hold a book, how to turn the pages, directionality, which way does it go? Like all of these things. And if they don't have access to that, they can't build this lifelong engagement with them. Mm -hmm. It becomes a school activity instead of something that's just infused in their life. And that's really... And and for children who may not have the affordability to be able to go travel or explore like hands-on, yeah. like it's a window into so many different areas too. So it's just heartbreaking to think about. And I think it's really easy um, as a mom who has the resources to get her kids books whenever they want, essentially to think kids don't have that. And what an incredible cause. And I also, something that just really spoke to me was you picked one thing. Like one thing, there's probably in in kindergarten, you see there's a million different issues, right? A million, your kids bring in so many different things into your classroom, so many different things. And there's so many different needs in kindergarten, especially. And you pick that one thing that you could really do something about. Can't do yeah. everything, but I can do we this all, one thing. I want to try to. We all want to try <laughs> yes, to, I know. right? But, I know. Same. I have that same yeah. condition of wanting to do all the things. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So beautiful. So now you've built this clothing company. So you were in Florida. Mm-hmm. And now you're in DC. But what got my attention, what, how I found you on TikTok was really, I loved your... I don't know if it has a special title, like if you gave if you give your shirts names, but the love, empathy, compassion, inclusion, mm-hmm. justice, kindness, and it's the rainbow. It was during June, so mm-hmm. it was Pride Month, and mm-hmm. I found that and I bought the coffee mug, I bought the T-shirt, and I'm like, what else can I buy in that same print? Because it had all my favorite words on it. Yes, yeah. So now you choose different causes to. Tell me about like, there's also a donation component and then there's certain book things you go on, like focuses. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the way that the kindnesses, it's called our, our kindnesses line came about. And that's really, I mean, that completely embodies our company, right? Because we really are on a mission of spreading what we like to call true kindness. And the reason that we are is because if the books we are giving to children 
embody a world in which we want to create or we want to see for our daughter in the future. I want the messages on our clothing to mirror that. So if I'm purchasing inclusive books to donate to kids, I want the clothing that people are purchasing to kind of like mirror the same ideas that are in the books that we're donating. So our kindnesses line came about because I was always kind of saying to people, kindness has to be more. And I always preface this with simple pleasantries are great, right? Like who doesn't love getting a cup of coffee from their friend after, you know, I had a really bad day or, or my friend got me out of bed once after I miscarried because she purchased me a pedicure, you know, like all of these things are wonderful, amazing acts of kindness. And I don't want to take that away. All I'm saying is that we need to add on more to that. And kindness does need to be more than niceness. So we kind of put out to our followers about four years ago now, what does kindness mean to you? And we held like Mm -hmm. a contest. Whoever comes up with the words that resonate most with us, whoever votes on the words the most, we're going to make this new design and you're going to win a free package from us of like a shirt and a mug or whatever we decide to make. So the words love, empathy, inclusion, passion were the five that really symbolized kindness for us. So it was like a real community effort, which is why I always love sharing that story. And that's how that came about. Wow. Yeah, it was really great. And that, that design in and of itself has probably put at least like... 30 to 40,000 of the 100,000 books that we've donated into the hands of kids. Like it's by far our most popular design. And I think it's because what you said, like it's, it's very powerful, that message of those words. So fast forward to being an educator in the state of Florida and (laughs) being a very inclusive educator. I have my daughter right like two months before the pandemic started. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was an interesting time. Yeah. 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 I mean, to be a parent of any age, right. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. and also be a teacher. There was just a lot of layers to it. I have very older parents who were very high risk. And at the time going back, there was no vaccines yet or anything, you know, Florida was very like wavering, even on like wearing masks and no one really knew anything. We didn't know anything at the time. So I decided, hey, like maybe this is some sort of a blessing in disguise. I'm going to try to do kind cotton full time. I can still make an impact with kids. I can't go back to work right now. I'm not going to be a good educator with all the worry that I had built up inside of me with our daughter and my parents and everything. So that was right around the time too, where we had an anti-bias training canceled in my district. We're already... What is... Say more though. What is an anti-bias? For those of us who are or people who aren't in education, who may sure. not, what is an anti-bias training for, yeah, for teachers absolutely. in particular? It was actually uh, a diversity and equity and inclusion training is what I should say. Um, focus okay. Okay. on your underlying biases. And we, we all have those, right? Like we're, we're in a society where white supremacy is very rooted in like everything that we do. And it's really hard for white people in particular to acknowledge that and just say, Hey, yes. Like be aware of it. Yeah, exactly. Just to be aware of it. Just to be aware of it. Right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Just to be aware of what we bring to the table when we are teaching students and, and to include more books in which children feel represented and to include books from other cultures, because that's how children recognize empathy and to recognize that, hey, maybe maybe if kids aren't making eye contact with you when you're talking to them, it could actually be a cultural mm-hmm. thing and it's not yeah. a sign of disrespect, right? Just right. really acknowledging that the culture in which, and when I say we, I mean like white people in particular in America have grown up in may not be the same or is yeah. not the same cultural traditions or things in which other people have grown up in. And it's just kind of like that acknowledgement of, of how to become a better teacher. And a lot of people got really, really, really offended at some of like those buzzwords, you know, recognizing your privilege or the disrespect. Like I remember the eye contact thing being like, people got really, really mad about that. Like, no, If you've tried the Instagram parenting tips and tricks to gain connection and cooperation with your child and it's still not working, or maybe you just want to grow your parenting toolbox or grow your own personal skill set, if you feel confused about how to respond to some of your child's bigger behavior, or maybe you need the encouragement and accountability to make the changes you know you and your family need, CORE offers the weekly support and tools to make these powerful shifts within a supportive, uplifting community. We talk about real-life parenting, not the neat and clean two-dimensional examples given on social media. You can learn more about my core membership program by heading to www.kayleekukla.com backslash core. It's a month-to-month membership. You can cancel it at any time, no strings attached, and it's meant to be on-demand parenting support so you can access it when it's needed and when it's convenient for you. The link is in the show notes to learn more. And now back to this core conversation with Kaylee. I have a reel about that. No, I the eye contact in particular and five reasons. It's one of my top performing reels, interestingly enough. Top five reasons we shouldn't force children to give eye contact. And yeah, I did it during April, which is Autism Acceptance Month. So it wasn't even... It is cultural. And actually, mm-hmm. I learned about that in teacher college before this was a hot button topic, because this was like 15 years ago when I learned about, you know, for example, in Asian cultures, some Latino cultures, it's disrespectful to make eye contact with authority figure. And, and learning that as maybe in my culture, I mean, my parents demanded eye contact Mm -hmm. from us. Um, Mm -hmm. That was a sign of respect, quote unquote. So, but if you have a child an autistic child, they may not ever maintain eye contact, you know, or when they do. Anyway, that's a whole different tangent. But I just, you know, all the things you're saying, this diversity and equity training and inclusion training, this, we actually had a whole class on this 15 years ago in teacher college. This is not a new topic of conversation. I think now it's very loaded and it's very polarized because of the political scene. But this is an ongoing, I just want people to know this is an ongoing conversation in child development and early childhood education. And really it should be all education um, that is not new and has been going on and uh, is really important because a part of becoming aware of our own bias 
And I'll just share mine. You'll get a kick out of this. So in student teaching, you know, when you do, you've got to do little lessons with whatever classroom you're placed in, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to do one on skin color. And everybody has different shades of skin color. And I was in a really diverse classroom. It was a university classroom. So we literally had like global representation of all the continent. I mean, it was just incredible. What a great place. And one of the kids made a comment of like, his skin is darker than mine. And they held up their arms side by side. And I was raised in, we don't see color. Okay. Yeah. So I had this initial reaction of, (gasps) (laughs) you know, like extreme discomfort. And I was 20 or something at the time. And when I brought that back to one of my professors who was teaching this class, she said, well, there's your bias that you've Mm -hmm. got to recognize. Mm -hmm. The child was making a neutral observation on how much melanin was in their skin. And that was an uncomfortable place for you. So that's where you get to start on your self-reflection of your internal bias. And I'm so grateful because now I've been reflecting on that for 15 years Mm -hmm. and just grown so much and become so much more aware of my own bias. So anyway, it's a hot button topic It's not new, especially if you've been in education. There are programs that just infuse this into their education of teachers who are going into the workforce, but there are teachers who have never been exposed to this information. So trainings like this, I think my experience is probably the exception to the rule, but trainings like this is so important. So anyway, I interrupted your story. It's such a great story. Uh, Go back to it. But I just wanted to insert that talking point is it doesn't have to be an inflammatory conversation. It's just one of kindness and acceptance. Exactly. And that's going off of something that you said that was like another really um, hot button topic for educators who hadn't ever experienced that if we don't see color, then we can't see everything that comes along with... Mm Mm-hmm. being different, right? Like mm-hmm. there's beauty in seeing color and there's yeah. also a lot of hardship in seeing color. And if we don't recognize mm-hmm. that, then we can never really learn what our students are coming to the table with or what our what our peer educators are coming to the table with. I just wanted to bounce off of what you said is that it's so important to see that and to allow children to see that. And that was like another big thing about the DEI course that got canceled. So yeah, there was this huge uproar and they they canceled it. They fired the oh. educator. They canceled the training. And that was this. And I was truly, when I say I was one of the only people, I mean, emailing the superintendent, calling nonstop, saying this is not okay. Like all we want to do is X, Y, Z. All kids deserve is representative text. Like this is not okay. And this is going to be a dangerous, slippery slope. And I mean, even my, my fellow educators were like, why are you so passionate about this? I said, because just wait, what's going to happen a year down the road from now, it's going to get 10 times worse. And everyone thought I was kind of like making this big deal over like, it was just a training. Overdramatic, right? Yeah. Overdramatic yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then fast forward to legislation that came out in Florida in regards to really kind of keeping LGBTQ plus books out of the classroom. And people think that that's like, I want to start with people think that that's not really happening. And it really is like being an educator. Yeah. It's, I mean, books are, 
in the district that I used to teach in at the beginning of the school year, every single teacher had to hand over their entire classroom library. And there was a freeze on all purchasing of all books and books were taken away. So yeah. and, and we're in we're on different coasts or we were yeah. when you lived in Florida, we're on different coasts. And it's the same in, in the county that I live in. Teachers yeah. had to fill out a form before school started, inventory all their books and submit it for approval. On top yeah. of teachers having to do five million other things before school starting and not getting paid for yeah. it. Like I could go on and right. on about that, too. And right. I know that's not what we're here for. But right. Right. It really struck me and I wanted to take that kindness is line that we initially spoke about and turn Mm -hmm. it into a pride line in which we purchased LGBTQ plus books for kids in schools. And now obviously in Florida, there were some districts that were very progressive and kind of going against legislation and accepting of books. Now our majority of the work that we are doing in the state of Florida specifically with that line is we are donating to LGBTQ plus youth centers or directly to parents if they've reached out to us. Still getting these books into the hands of kids. It's just like that would never happen in the district that I was teaching in. And when I say that I'm that we're donating LGBTQ plus books to children, we have one that's called like Mama, Mommy and Me. And it's, you know, beautiful for K through three, maybe. And it literally just goes through the story of mama gives me a bath at night. Mommy brushes my hair. Mama reads me a story. Mommy tucks me in. Mama and mommy give me a kiss. And like the reality of it is, is that regardless of whether or not people want to accept it, LGBTQ plus people exist and children have (laughs) parents, you know, who are from different family dynamics. And all of these family dynamics deserve stories written about them. We don't blink an eye when when Sleeping Beauty is awoken from a kiss. And like those things aren't even happening in these books. You know, these moms are just taking care of their kids and loving their children the same as any other family does. So anyway, this is something I'm very, very passionate about right now, as you can tell. <laughs> so I just got off an Instagram live with a good friend of mine, another parenting coach. And we were talking about how to have hard conversations with our kids when they don't want to talk to us. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, and one of the things I said, one of the big messages I drove home is children have this incredible, insatiable need to feel understood mm-hmm. by their parents in particular. Mm-hmm. And, if we go one step outside of the home, right, we're going into the classroom because that's where children who are in school spend a majority of their day outside of the home is in the classroom. And so to since part of understanding that child is also understanding and accepting uh, they're and welcoming, right? I don't want, we're not tolerating. There's a difference here. We're welcoming um, the different family dynamics, whether that be a single parent, blended families, yeah. two dads, two moms. We've had all of that in our classroom, in my children in their classes. And it brings up a lot of really beautiful talking points. But a part of, you know, I interviewed, she owns a bookstore, Diversity and Inclusive. She's, I need to hook y'all up. She's amazing. Her na- name's mm-hmm. Pernu. Uh, and Whoa, it, I'll, I purchased from her. 
Sorry, okay. I got really excited. You do? Yeah. You know yes. Pernu. <laughs> she's on the she's been on the podcast. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So we donated to a youth center that is probably you're in Palm Coast, you said, right? Uh just south in Palm oh, Beach okay. County. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we donated to an LGBTQ plus youth center there that had recently been renovated and all the books that we donated, oh. we purchased from her. Of course you did, because she's amazing. Yeah. But she she used this line in the podcast, and I can put it in the show notes so people can go back and listen to it if they want to hear it, about windows windows and uh, mirrors. You know, they, yeah. they need to be able to see into other people's lives to understand and build empathy, and they need to be able to see themselves because that helps build their identity. And I just think that's so beautiful. And, you know, it's such a simple simple, simple, non-threatening way, and yet very, very powerful way mm-hmm. to help children feel accepted and a sense of belonging and just, oh, I see myself because Mm -hmm. I matter. I'm important. Mm -hmm. And that is such a fundamental, critical, important part of this kindness, compassion, acceptance, all these things on my coffee mug that I have right next to me, empathy, inclusion, all of that. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. And if you're not super intentional about seeking out those books, the reality of it is just statistically speaking, yes, you're not right. going to have totally. those books because right. I mean, it's something like 40% of children's books are animals and 30% of children's books have white main characters. And then it's only like 10% are black lead characters, 2% are Asian, you know? So if or 3% is LGBTQ plus, because a lot of people will be like, well, how are you you have to showcase all people. And I said, but that is happening in the classroom, right? No, no white child is ever sitting in a classroom or white straight child is sitting in a classroom saying, Hmm, I don't feel seen in the books that are being read to me because just statistically speaking, classrooms are already going to be full, excuse me, full of those types of texts. So it's really important to have that intentionality piece behind it, which is why, the books that we donate, 90% of them are either BIPOC authors, uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color, disabled authors with disabled main characters, or LGBTQ plus authors with those family structures. Um, And then the other 10% is really heavily focused on social emotional learning, because that's something also, which I'm sure you can imagine doing everything Yes. Yes. Is truly being targeted in schools as well, which I think a lot of people don't recognize that either, that there's like this huge push in certain areas to not have SEL infused in every day. And that's so important. Like that's how children learn love and empathy and kindness. And it's just, it's sad, but It's nice to know that there are people such as yourself and other people advocating for them. So just a trigger warning, I was, I did a post a few weeks ago about after Twitch's death, about the suicide statistics in our country and really focused on the preventative measures, you know, because I like acknowledging a problem, but I don't want to spend my time wallowing in it. I really like to be a solution oriented, solution focused person. And The prevention, you know, there's still a lot of research that needs to be done on it. It's lacking to say the least, even on a federal level with the CDC. And But on their website, they list 
well-rounded SEL, so social emotional learning, as one of the top preventative measures we can do for children. So, and statistically speaking, you know, the rates are rising in mm-hmm. our country. So I don't think it's too dramatic to say that, you know, this really is for some children, this really is a matter of life and death. Yeah. It really is that important. Yeah. We, the skills we're equipping our children now at ages five, six, seven, eight could become critical, whether it's with their own struggles or with a friend's struggles when they're in middle school and high school and beyond. So we can call it fluff. We can, um, you know, the fluffy stuff, the soft science, you know, the soft learning. We can also focus on the polarization that's happening. Mm -hmm. But when we start peeling that all away and just getting rid of all of that and start getting to the heart of it, this stuff is what matters. It matters so much. It's a way we can help really deeply connect with our children and help them feel seen, help them have that sense of belonging, which Mm -hmm. is long-term buffer to their mental health. And that benefits society, all of us. And it's so telling to know that, you know, after going through years of a pandemic and everything that has happened with that and children being away from other kids, and then we go back to school and like everything that was talked about was learning loss and being worried about like math scores. And what about children coming together and loving on each other and and being kids and playing and developing those skills that, you know, they were in isolation for a while. Like if we really truly care about the well-being of children, we have to be infusing SEL and we have to be reading books about that and we have to be building their confidence and self-esteem and empathy and just all these wonderful things that that does. But then we are worried about test scores. You know, it's just, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. And and when you start, and this is a whole different topic, I'm sure you and I could go on, but you know, when you start really understanding about how the brain learns, if that social emotional, if that regulation piece isn't online, which we're seeing children are really struggling with that right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Still, you know, even coming out of the pandemic, it's been, you know, a couple years now of being back in school, so to speak for, for most children at least in Florida. So that highly affects that bottom line that so many people are looking at of test scores. And Mm -hmm. so I know um, I have a book list, a free downloadable book list uh, that Pernu actually helped me put together. So it has her magic touch on it, but it also, it heavily focuses on SEL, so social emotional learning. So if parents are looking for children's books um, that are diverse, inclusive, and focus a lot on the social emotional learning. I have a free downloadable in my bio um, on Instagram and I will link it here on the show notes. Do you have a book list? Do you share that for, with people too? I love that. We can find, okay. Great. Yeah, so we have on our website, uh, we have various awesome. book blogs for different areas, such as like I'm, we're sending one, I think tomorrow, just about, teaching advocacy for Martin Luther King Day or our favorite LGBTQ plus children's books. Mm -hmm. As far as a master list, it's so funny because I never kept a running list of like every book that we ever donated. We've kept the numbers. So for the past, this has been like a six month long project. 
I have been going back wow. in like archives <laughs> of receipts of Instagram posts, of blogs, everything that I could ever imagine and creating like an actual master list of the 100,000 books that we have physically donated with the title and the author and the amount. So that'll be up and live on our site. Nice. Actually, probably by the time this airs, people can it'll be clickable too. You know, it'll go to either an independent bookstore or right, right, if right. you need it super soon, Amazon. <laughs> so that'll be that'll be available for people on our website as well. Amazing. So tell people where they can find not the book list. So tell us your website because you can find you'll be able to find the book list by the time this podcast airs and also your clothing line. And you come out with different designs like all the time. I feel like there's always new designs. So tell people where they can find that stuff because I just it's a gold mine. It's awesome. Thank you. Hindcotton.com. And then on social media, we are predominantly active on Instagram and TikTok. uh, And that is Kind Cotton as well. Great. And I'll link that. I'll put it in the show notes. So if people want to just go and click, they can. I found you on TikTok because I find that algorithm is so scarily spot on. (laughs) So they like nailed me with the kindness, Mm. the Florida educator, child development. I was like, it's spooky, but I felt like I found a kindred soul. So I'm so glad we were able to connect and come together and just share this Mm -hmm. really important message. So thank you. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me on and thank you for all that you do. (laughs) I mean, I know as a mom, I am constantly screenshotting your stuff, sending it to my husband, like, because I think we're just in a generation of a lot of unlearning and it's just... It's easy to know all all of these things when I was an educator, but to then like put it into practice as a mother is a whole nother thing. So I really appreciate everything that you do. That resonates with me as well. It's so much different having all the head knowledge and then turning around being like, oh, now I have to do it with my own kids. What am I doing? (laughs) So yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for being here. Thank you for your hard work and important work that you're doing and your kind words. I really appreciate it so much. Thank you.